Attention, podcast listener. We've got an exciting new podcast coming just for patrons of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 has begun exclusively for our $5 and up patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's the first 10 episodes of Futurama coming to you once a week. So just sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you'll get Talking Futurama Season 2 and all of our limited miniseries, including the entirety of Talking Futurama Season 1. That's 13 episodes. That is patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where Marmaduke makes history come alive. I'm your host, the recently knighted Sir Drinks a Lot, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and I promise to put in at least twice the effort of a deadbeat dad. Excellent. And who do we have on the line? Uh, this is John Walsh, also known as Super Eyepatch Wolf, and I promise not to try and mentally destroy anyone. I swear to God that'll make sense later. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. And today's episode is Make Room for Lisa. Hey, March, what's your favorite radio station? Today's episode aired on February 28th, 1999, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. Oh boy, Bobby, the cult classic film Dark City makes a small debut in theaters. CKY's Volume 1 album is released, aka the soundtrack to the classic Jackass episodes and the CKY videos that preceded that. And Star Wars X-Wing Alliance is released, and that's the final game in the X-Wing PC series. And we're all leading up to the smash debut of Episode 1. It's coming. Can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) That CKY song, the 96 Quite Bitter Brothers, I, I think the song to is. To be honest, I had no idea. 96 Quite Bitter Beans? Yeah, okay, that's right. To be yeah. honest, I have no, I had no idea what you're talking about. I thought I was having a small stroke during oh. there. It's like, <laughs> well, of course, yes, the first CK1. Well, uh, CKY with the, uh, the, I believe it means can't kill yourself. Very oh, uh, problematic mm. these days. Can't but, sell that on DVD. Uh, but it was, you know, this punk band that had a skateboard video. Okay, yeah. And Margera was part of it. That was the CKY group, then teamed up with the Jackass group to make proper Jackass. The famous uh, prank-based television that we all know and love. And so if you remember, at least in season one of Jackass and in the CKY videos, you'd hear... Hmm, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I remember they'd them... Us- they'd, they'd usually save it for, like, the really nasty segments. Mm-hmm. I remember them selling these at, like, GameStop, these skater DVDs, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yep. With uh, with the stuff that was too hot for MTV. I guess you were not a Jackass fan, Bob. I, I hate Jackass. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it was lost on me, and I, d- I don't like it at all. I've never seen the movies. Oh, you missed out. No, no. Yeah, yeah, it it was like a defining part of my teenagehood. Like, I definitely rolled down some hills and some shopping trolleys. I see people, like, maybe five years younger than me. I think I was, uh, I found it distasteful. I was like Sideshow Pub at age 17. (laughs) Oh, oh, really, Johnny? Uh, Yeah, I remember friends uh, downloading off Kazaa the CKY videos, and they're like, oh, if you you like jackass, it's not half as fucked up as this, man. (laughs) And then you transition to the backyard wrestling before you paralyze yourself. (laughs) 
Uh, what was it? I remember, you know what, I'm not going to disgustingly describe it. Please don't, please don't. <laughs> they were fun times. I'm turning into you on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you're, you're taking my bit, Bob. You found out what repulses me. It's uh, dangerous pranks. <laughs> uh, well, Dark City, though, what, do you guys remember that? I still haven't seen it. Uh, all I know about it is that it's very Matrixy, and it came out at the same time as The Matrix, and Roger Ebert uh, loved it when he was alive. He was uh, actually, I think he did the commentary, or like a commentary track on yeah, Dark City. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen it, no. Oh, I think I think you'd like it, John. It's it's rather anime-y. It's one of those like five movies that came out in the 90s where it was clear somebody directing American films had seen anime enough to steal from it. Ah, okay, perfect. And I think actually the Matrix connection is even deeper than you think because I believe they reused sets, city sets built for Dark uh, City in this. It was, I, th I believe Dark City was the sophomore jinx of the director of The Crow after The Crow was uh, so huge. He was like, well, then I'm going to make my dream picture, Dark City. Did Babe Pig in the City get some of those city sets too? <laughs> no, those those were down in uh, George Miller's like uh, Australian stuff. Got to see that movie still. Yeah, I'm, lo I'm looking at pictures of it here. This, this looks wild. Oh, yeah, I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, uh, this this looks like it could be kind of fun. I'm uh, more of a dog city guy myself. <laughs> uh, and I, I played I played a bit of TIE, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, but I actually didn't play X-Wing Alliance. Oh, boy, we have an entire episode about the X-Wing series on Retronauts and Cat Bailey and Jason Wilson. Uh, we just sit back and let them talk because <laughs> they know everything about those games. Uh, well, yes, uh, let's talk to our guest here, John Walsh, a.k.a. Super Eyepatch Wolf. Welcome. Thank yeah. you. It's it's really good to finally be back. Yeah, your last episode was way back in May of 2018, uh, Bart the Fink. So mm -hmm. season seven. Yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, a big reason we wanted to have you back on too is just to quickly uh, talk about all the cool videos you've been doing lately, including me and Bob really enjoyed your bizarre modern reality of The Simpsons video you did if, a couple months back. Yeah, that was... That was a very interesting one to work on because I really, I, it was one of those videos I really wasn't sure how people were going to take it because the subject matter was so, I guess, kind of strange compared to my usual stuff. But um, it was also super fascinating because like, it was just like, I kept going down this whole, like discovering like new weird, like fan projects. The video is all about like, weird fan iterations of the simpsons and like the weird things people do with the simpsons online and i think by the time i hit like that simpsons hentai zine i was like <laughs> oh i'm in this is too much i'm in way in too deep now our favorites are like the shit posting for sure and just the clever recontextualization of simpson scenes like it's like how people retell an old joke in a new way is just you know yeah. exciting actually last night i saw like, a new meme based on uh, bart hitting Homer with the chair in the bathtub. It was based on the game Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, and the video had 300 views on YouTube. So it was made for a very small audience, but it was extremely well done. It was really weird seeing all that stuff but then like i felt like so much of it as well was so like reflective of like you know the really strong parts of simpsons and like what you were saying there about like recreating there's one comic and it's literally just i think it's a comic the artist did when he was kind of drunk and it was just him t like trying to remember the homer goes to new york episode <laughs> oh yeah and it was yeah. Uh, it's just great like it was it was really fun and uh, all that great Simpsons music too, like the uh, or music inspired by the Simpsons. That was such a great find too. I, I thanks for oh introducing the Simpsons wave stuff. Yeah, that's so yeah. fascinating. Uh, yeah, we also just had a really cool video on the the fall of 2019 stuff uh, you watch, which I I also bring up just to brag that me and Bob.
Bob have seen Pro Marin. It's really great. Yeah. So. <laughs> Take that. Oh, God I've seen it, it twice. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's the problem with living in Ireland. You just, like, there's this new anime movie out, like Pro Marin from Studio Trigger, and, like, me and my friends all really want to see it. Everyone online's raving about it, and we just can't. And it's like, God damn it! Those fathom events can't make it across the ocean. <laughs> the stream isn't powerful <laughs> yeah. enough. I, I think we're also seeing One Piece uh, Stampede tonight too. So yes. yeah, I'm sorry to make you fantastic. double jealous. Yeah, no, this is this is all great. <laughs> we can like sneak a phone in and sort of Twitch stream it to you before yeah. we get shut down. <laughs> would you mind? That would be great. Also, John, you know, since the last time we recorded, I've talked to a few other uh, Irish Simpsons fans. I was curious about this thing I found out about the commercial breaks in it when it aired there. So there's just one commercial break in The Simpsons, like in the middle of the episode. Yeah. Okay. So this is something I only discovered like in the last three years that you guys don't just have like one commercial break. You have like a lot. Mm hmm. Like I, I was sitting in my hotel room and I might have been watching The Simpsons and there was like one commercial break. And I was like, well, that was pretty early. And then like another one later. And I felt like rioting. I was like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> uh, I can't imagine growing up with Simpsons where there's just a break in the middle of the episode. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, you know, it was weird because towards like um, later on in Sky One, which is where it aired, what they do is they'd show like 18 minutes of an episode and then have a commercial break and then show like the last four minutes. That's so, yeah, that wow. is, that's really odd because to me growing up with the show and a lot of shows where it was a three act structure because there were two commercial breaks. So you could split a show into three acts. Ah, now there are three commercials on the Simpsons. So the last act has to be like sort of like a 90 second wrap up that just really, really fast. So I always feel I can't, get, it's been like that for like five years and I can't get used to it. And we've noticed on Disenchantment, like the pacing does seem a bit weird because they don't have those hard act breaks to sort of like restart the story mm -hmm. a few times. Yeah, actually. Actually, I just watched the newest Simpson, the Treehouse, the new Treehouse of Horror that just aired, the 30th one. Oh, I got to watch that before tomorrow. What's interesting in it is to get around the four act structure, they instead just front load it that they do basically a 90 second short segment at the start. So then they can end with a full regular third. Okay. One. And it was like the omen at quintuple speed. That was the one. <laughs> it was, uh, it, it wasn't their best, I'll say. But it was fun. I will say it was they had some fun celebratory stuff for like it being the 666 yeah, episode. That's why I assume that they did fun. the omen. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't uh, that, that's, that's kind of fun. Okay, extra clever. You know, it's too clever for me. I like how they acted like they planned it, but by while <laughs> winking at you, like we didn't plan it this way. <laughs> uh, well, John, also, like, were you watching? You must have still been is sticking with the show into just season 10. You're not, you hadn't turned away yet, right? No, no. I think uh, that was a long, slow process that went well into my adult life. But um, I mean, I still, I, there's like, there, I was, this is actually an episode I really, really like from season 10. Uh, I think there's some really kind of good laughs in there. Oh, yeah. I, I, I really love the line when the <laughs> when it's like the woman in like the kind of um, isolation tank place is like, you might see visions, but they can't hurt you, though they may mentally destroy you. And <laughs> I thought that was like just such a weird like inclusion, but it was really funny. I, I do think um, it's hard for me now not to view Scully episodes run by Mike Scully as coming from the viewpoint of him being a father of many daughters. And this one especially feels that way. Yeah, yeah it does. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the ending. We'll get to it eventually. But it is a very dad perspective. Like, why can't my daughter understand that I think she's boring? <laughs> she needs to come to terms with that. If only. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's true. It uh, though I think this episode did make me. I think it's a little lopsided about where it puts empathy on characters, but I I also did give me like perspective on remembering all the times like my mom, not my dad, but my mom took me to movies or pro wrestling shows or all these other or every trip to the comic book store she gave me. Like I I look back on that like well she couldn't have enjoyed that. (laughs) Like so I it did give me a little more insight there. Yeah, I I kind of felt that as well. Like I thought like the last little bit at the end where she has like her realization like it was kind of i think maybe like a little clumsily written but it still kind of resonated with me a little bit yeah so at least you know there's a good kernel in there i think (laughs) but uh though i think the lopsidedness also comes from scully wants to do a touching father-daughter story but this also comes deep in a season where the writers as a whole under scully are really enjoying making Homer as cruel and thoughtless as possible for joke purposes, which makes for some funny jokes, but then you pay the price when it comes to like, but can't you feel things for Homer and his relationship with Lisa? Uh, It's it's hard to have it both ways. Totally. Um, And yeah, I think this is technically a new director episode, but not really. Matthew Nastic, we talked a bit about him in uh, Doan in the Wind. So Mark Kirkland found out he was, uh, his wife was leaving him or divorcing him legally during the production of the episode. So he had to have Matthew Nastic, his assistant director, direct that episode, direct the rest of it. So this is Matthew Nastic's first episode as a director, as a full episode. And he has directed 49 episodes as of this recording of our podcast. He was working on the show as early as the Do the Bartman video in 1990. So it's pretty, pretty long pedigree there. Yeah, yeah. And he's still working yeah. on the show for like, so yes, 30 years of working on The Simpsons. I love that video. Great direction. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that was Brad Bird directing it. Like animated in like Croatia <laughs> oh, really? or something. I had yeah. no idea. Wow. Oh, yeah. Brad Bird's, uh, that, uh, that or Hungry. It yeah. Was like- one of the hosts. <laughs> it no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, it was it was famously as as cheap as it could. It, it was the, hungry. <laughs> the the music video looks amazing. Like it's some of the best like full animation Simpsons ever had. And now you just have to try to forget that it's written by Michael Jackson when you enjoy it. His but, producer, sure, oh. okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> I was looking back at Nastic's other career too. I did see he's he worked on uh, shows we did for our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, as well. Real Ghostbusters and Rugrats. He worked mm-hmm. on both of those, but. I think his most recent non-Simpsons credit was like Duckman or like doing color to color styling on Duckman. Yeah. So I think he was just doing that uh, when he was laid off, you know, between seasons, because mm. as we learned, animators need work between uh, breaks. That is insanity. Yeah. By the way, I, I still can't get over that. So you do a few Duckman. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. It's no. a quality show. Oh, and also this episode is uh, the last one with a credit writing uh, by my- Brian Scully, my- Mike Scully's brother. Older brother and off yeah. to Family Guy he went. Yes, he yeah, he had quite a long career at Family Guy. Uh, but this is like a sequel to his previous episode, Lost Our Lisa. It really is. I was getting a lot of Lost Our Lisa vibes from this, uh, like Homer and Lisa adventure and mm-hmm. them trying to understand each other. But it is like a flip side where it ends 
the previous one ended with going to uh, basically another museum where like how this one began. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and it was Homer doing something for Lisa and so this one ends the other way with Lisa doing something for Homer. So it really does it's like pretty much a full sequel episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh and this one though begins with a very out of I forgot where this joke was from this episode until I watched it. I was like, "Oh, this is where the the time travel joke oh, yeah. was." Oh yeah. <laughs> This and the B story in this one, I both fully forgot were in this episode. Yeah, I forgot this B story existed. Uh, but in our first clip here, Homer travels back in time. Okay, FDR is in the White House. An ice cream cone costs a nickel. And a hot new tune by Benny Goodman is hitting the charts. The year is 1939. 19, 1939? Oh my God, I've gone back in time. I've got to warn everybody about Hitler and get to the ice cream store. Hey, yeah, uh, Homer, what's all the hubbub? Let me guess. You travel back in time again. Shut up. You haven't even been born yet. <laughs> Easy, Homer. I'll bring you back. <laughs> oh, boy, am I glad to see you guys. That was men without hats, or as they're known today. Men without jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there, Marty. I'm not going anywhere. That uh, that sequence of Homer being slightly sleepy and then uh, thinking he fell back in time. Is, <laughs> and that's uh, happened before. Yes, yeah, they've, they've had to deal with it multiple times. Um, by the way, because we might have some younger listeners, the episode title is referencing the old sitcom Make Room for Daddy, which eventually became the Danny Thomas show. You needed to explain that to me, too. I didn't know that. Danny Thomas being famous for being a famous Hollywood dick. Listen to the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. You'll learn all about that. Uh, okay. And then lots of cartoons, even children's cartoons, they reference how he liked to lay under glass coffee tables and have sex workers defecate on them. Oh, uh, yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. Uh, there's an episode of Ren and Stimpy where he has a celebrity coffee table collection. He's uh, talking about his Danny oh, Thomas oh, oh. glass coffee table. And Ron Haugie probably wrote that joke. Simpsons writer Ron Haugie. Sounds, sounds so. about Ron Haugie, yeah. Yeah, so yes, Danny wow. Thomas. I... I had heard the glass-topped coffee table story, but I forgot it was Danny Thomas was the the guilty party in that. Yes, oh, and uh, we have to reference Gilbert Gottfried's podcast on every episode. Everyone hated him. Everyone it's hated working with him. He was Danny a famous Thomas, monster. Yeah, not, Danny. Not no, everyone loves him. He's a d- adorable old cussy grandpa. So. Yes, yeah. The and the reference there too. The music, the things Homer's listening to, seemingly is like Casey Kasem's American Top Forty. Yeah, which is all about taking you to a point in time. Though I feel like that. I don't know. I I would think he'd talk about songs as early as 1950. He wouldn't go back to 39. To like instrumental songs. Yeah, it's not. I mean, John, like, is how aware are you of Casey Kasem and his radio shows? I am pretty sure this is the first time he's ever come into my life. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know Scooby-Doo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's Shaggy on in uh, or in classic Scooby-Doo. Oh, okay. Right, right. That's how I figured he was known internationally. But he was he was cast by Hanna Barbera because he was. A very popular radio show host in the 60s in up to his passing in 2014. Oh, was that recently? Yeah. Yeah. uh, And I might have talked about this before, but this is a kind of weird thing being like an international viewer of The Simpsons where The Simpsons is like this 
kind of window into a lot of American culture. But a lot of the time, you're not really aware what the reference is. And in some cases, you think it's like, oh, what a weird, random piece of humor. And then it turns out like there's actual like cultural context behind it. <laughs> it's a funny distance that it creates with international viewers that I think they it's I think it comes from them trying to write smarter. Like we can uh, sometimes it's easy to make fun of Family Guy for going like, hey, remember this? And then they just state specifically what they're making a reference to. While Simpsons, I think, often challenges itself to be like, let's have a little smarter like parody of this without having to outright state to people you're listening to Casey Kasem's American Top 40. I remember um, I saw there was a family guy joke and it was referencing the end of Pulp Fiction when the guy comes in with the samurai sword and the the guy in the gimp mask Mm -hmm. and I thought that was hilarious but I'd never seen Pulp Fiction. I just thought it was this weird random scene that the writers had just made up and I was like that's so weird and then when I learned it was a reference I thought it was way less funny and sometimes that happens to me with The Simpsons as well. Uh, I mean, that still happens to me from time to time, even in watching uh, that recent Treehouse of Horror. I've only seen the first season of Stranger Things. So when they were making a couple non-season one Stranger Things references in their section, I was like, "Eh, I guess I have to assume that's a good joke. Any spoilers in there? <laughs> uh, Not that I noticed, but but the best joke about that area was they had comic book guy show up and just say like sounds like you haven't seen season three <laughs> and uh, that was that was the closest to one of those spoilery jokes yeah real quick about the american top 40 in case you've never heard it i used to actually listen to it to go to sleep some nights like homer actually in the, in the 90s and it was just a the very friendly voice of casey Kasem talking about uh when things were simpler in the 50s or 60s and playing an old song i was eating at an airport at some point in my life after he died and i remember hearing him on the radio and I was like he's dead he can't be on the radio he's dead really it was like an archive thing of Casey Case where you could play like the-, the year is blah 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 and this guy's topping the charts up next we've got blah 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 <laughs> With blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, did he record something for every year and someone just bought it to play in an airport? So he's dead. Yeah, I mean, it, it should just play forever. So is this that Futurama joke as well, where it's like, uh, Farmer John remembers? Oh, that, oh that's a Pepperidge Farm. Or is Farm, that a different thing? Yeah, that's Pepperidge uh, Farm. Joke. Yeah, so okay. it's yeah, referencing yeah, okay. like a 70s, maybe 80s TV campaign for Pepperidge Farm. Another uh, very obscure yeah. reference. Like well. most of these we learn backwards through Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. Ah, okay. I will say when I watch UK television programs it i don't have as much of the opposite situation maybe it's just deeper references just fly right by me but i don't feel the need to google as much of like well what's this about like who's this though then again i am so unworldly that it was when we had our last irish guest on was when we learned what a t-shook was oh yeah never heard of that before Uh, (laughs) we're ignorant um, have you guys ever seen father ted i've Uh, seen a bit of it just a little bit if I think if you want that weird reverse culture thing, that's a good show to watch. I will say, actually, you know, the closest I got was I watched the uh, the I think it was it's Northern England based reference, but it's the Phoenix Knights show, and I did need to have like a British person with me to just explain, like, well, that's what pensioners are. That's what this is. Like <laughs> it uh, yeah. because obviously we wouldn't have pensioners in America. No safety nets for nobody, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> just everybody in free fall. Yeah. The only dole we have is Bob, and he's still alive. <laughs> uh, Knock but, on wood. 
But I do like that they bring Homer back to current day with Safety Dance, a very, even in 1999, a very dated song that would not reflect modernity. So that's that's a good joke, too. I uh, Just all to set up just the hacky joke of men without jobs. Intentionally hacky, not like bad writing. It's a good, bad DJ joke. Mm-hmm. But now they've all been replaced by the DJ 3000, so. Yeah, you can't, there's or no clear space channel. for even yeah. that personality in american radio stations also the homer wanting to warn people about coming things now watching it knowing that this is in 1999 and bad things are about to happen it is it had an extra level of gag he's so innocent (laughs) homer doesn't know (laughs) but yeah so homer hears that they're uh, having a whole radio station party at pjo harrigan's and so homer just leaves in the middle of work to go drink all day which i i'm a broken record on this in these seasons but like i'm not i know homer got drunk before the scully seasons but he gets blackout drunk like every other episode they they increased his binge drinking so much in these seasons in very very dark ways too oh yeah so i did you listen to the commentary on this one okay so this is actually pulled from a super dark story from mike scully's past where uh so in this episode homer is uh passed out in the middle of the street hanging out of his car and uh when mike scully was you know dating some girl in the 70s they had a first date together Together, and when he dropped her off at her place, her dad was sprawled out out of his car on the front lawn in a very similar pose. Man. Oh my so, God. Uh, real life stories of uh, crippling alcoholism are happening right on the screen. And well, and I mean, Homer, well, yeah, when you take it objectively that Homer left work in the middle of the day to drink all day, and that he then drove home and just fell out of his car in the middle of the street, <laughs> and Marge just treats it as nothing, like that shows a real problem if this was reality but uh but john what do you think of the uh the there's a little touch of ireland in this episode this was not in my uh reason for asking you on but (laughs) um yeah like i think this is definitely how i'm used to seeing ireland depicted in the simpsons all right um i remember the first time like i saw an irish reference and i think it was the itchy and scratchy watch out itchy he's irish and i remember (laughs) being kind of appalled like what do you mean From an American viewpoint, especially for American writers of Irish heritage, it's just funny to them making fun of people being racist against Irish people just feels so ancient. It it, it approaches the idea of comedy. So they, yeah, yeah, no. they, they get so many gags out of it. Sort of like Whacking Day being an excuse to beat up the Irish. Yes, yeah. And a fine job you did uh, of it. I actually do get a lot of pleasure from like when I go to an American con and someone will be like... Um, and we have a member of the UK here with us. And I'll be like, do we? Oh. Sensitive. I've Sensitive been, subject. I've been careful. About well, this. to be honest with you, I kind of milk it for my own enjoyment. I don't really care that much. Uh, we we don't understand the, the UK, Brexit, none of these things. We don't. It's too much. No one, no one does. It's impossible. <laughs> Uh, I did. I hope. Uh, I hope uh, Boris Johnson does die to ditch soon, as he's promised. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> Is that one of his campaign be... vows? <laughs> <laughs> he said he'd do it if he couldn't get it by the due date. He hasn't got it yet. Let the, the people way. vote on a ditch. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, but if you guys anyway. haven't, you should look up the Boris Johnson. Please leave my town clip. Oh, I'll uh-huh. check that out. Oh, but, nice. Oh, I have seen that. That was that was great. Oh, <laughs> Simpsons will be right back.
Hope you're enjoying this week's podcast brought to you by OmniTouch. And a big thank you to our guest John, a.k.a. Super Eyepatch Wolf. Be sure to check out his videos on YouTube. They're all tons of fun, whether you like anime or Simpsons. You're definitely going to want to check those out. And if you like this podcast, you should check out patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Me and Bob do this full time. Thanks to the support of our wonderful patrons at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, who for $5 a month, not only support this show, but also get every episode of talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad free. You could be hearing next week's episode right now now and that also goes for our sister podcast what a cartoon where we talk about a different animated series each week in the same style plus there's tons of patreon exclusives interviews with folks like mike scully and david silverman or our many patreon exclusive miniseries where we talk about shows like the critic king of the hill and we just are into the second season of talking futurama where we are covering the first 10 episodes of the second season of futurama and you can only hear that if you're a five dollar and up supporter at patreon.com slash talking simpsons If you want something even better than Oil of Lorenzo, you need to get the $10 and up level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. You get all that $5 stuff I just talked about, but you also get our monthly premium What a Cartoon movie podcast where me and Bob talk about a different animated movie in depth for as long as four hours sometimes. Our most recent one this month is going to be Toy Story. Last month, we did Nightmare Before Christmas. Other ones we did were Cowboy Bebop the movie, a Goofy movie, Akira, Kiki's Delivery, Delivery service, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, so many great things you can only hear if you're a ten dollar and up supporter at Patreon.com/slash Talking Simpsons. So please consider heading up to the ten dollar level today. But okay, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so we have some fun Homer drunkenness, uh, and Marge. It's kind of sweet how Marge just picks him up and like, let's get the gum out of your hair. Yeah, like, we'll just walk you in here. Uh, the the extra darkness of the joke too. Not only that Homer drove home drunk and fell out of his car, but also that like <laughs> he's among the cars stopped in traffic is a is an ambulance. So oh, right. somebody might be dying yeah. he, because oh, of Homer. God. too. They, uh, it's a mean it's a mean era of the Simpsons. It starts Homer off at a very low place in this episode. Uh, and as Homer gets walked back into the uh, house, he asks, what's your favorite radio station? And it's one of the weirdest like edits in the show. It's like they kind of do a, like a fast fade into the next scene. It's an editing style they never do on the show. Yeah, it might have been better as just a quick cut to the next scene. Yeah. The fade was odd. But I did like the joke where he actually wants to know. I did like that, yeah. Now, John, did it uh, offend your you know, editing sensibilities to see that kind of just weird fade there. A little bit, but having done as much editing as I have, the only reason they'd use a fade like that is because they have to. Like, I'm guessing they cut to the next scene and the two shots were too similar or something. And it had a weird, like jarring effect. Mm. And so they had, cause like that's, that was very strange. <laughs> but as Homer is nursing his hangover, the kids are ready for Saturday. Okay, dad, we're ready. 
Hey, that's super. See you later. <laughs> Dad, don't you remember? It's our special Saturday. You agreed to spend one Saturday a month doing something with the kids. Oh. Oh, quit complaining. It's half the work of the divorce dad. Yeah, but it's twice as much as a deadbeat dad. Homer! They know I'm kidding. Hmm. <laughs> okay, Bart, it's your turn to pick. Where are we headed? Bowling? Demolition Derby? P.J. O'Harrigans? Isn't that a funny name, huh? <laughs> Hysterical, but I traded my turn to Lisa for her dessert. Oh, we did a Lisa thing last month. <laughs> and I'm glad we did. But now I think we should do something normal people would like. Why do you assume that I won't pick something fun? Normal people. Yeah, normal. Homer, Homer is barely <laughs> hiding his contempt for his child there. Uh, I mean, talk about dark jokes, too. And Homer says, they know I'm kidding. And the way they go, like, oh, like, oh yeah. God. <laughs> That feels like it reflects the childhoods of the writers, of their dads thinking they're kidding and the, the kids remembering it much darker than they remember. Yeah, I guess Homer has really walked back Daddy-Daughter Day from season three. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had always assumed that happened, lasted a month. Yeah, maybe. and he forgot about it. I like Homer's uh, state changes there. That He goes from thinking like, well, I'm not going to do it at all. All right, fine, but it's Bart's turn, and Bart, at least, I understand him, so we're going to have some stupid fun. And then he gets the extra punch that it's Lisa's stuff, which he fully doesn't understand. Uh, and just Marge Marge has to grumble so much in this scene. <laughs> to steer Homer back on track, yeah. <laughs> over and over mm -hmm. again. And just, like, nudging him to do, like, the bare basic minimum. Just the least, yeah. That uh, And then Bart even reminds him, like, like a, di a divorce father would have to do two weekends. It would be every yeah. other weekend. I wonder if that's still the case. Every other weekend was the divorce. I, I grew up amongst divorce everywhere ah. springing up all around me. So I knew when it was the divorce dad weekend, that meant extra fun for all of us. <laughs> the, the dad would make it up to you, to the kid and his friends. So yeah. Hopefully get in on that. Pizza and nonstop uh, scary and dirty movies all night. <laughs> Though in this case, like it, I think I, I feel like it's a once a year thing. I went to stuff with my dad, just my, my dad, like me and him. I think we, like went to an American football game and or like basketball things that he wanted me to get into is much more often if stuff was done on the weekends it was my mom taking me and my brother somewhere usually just a movie or something but uh, father father Sundays kind of kind of rare mm. uh, I, I think it's crazy Homer even agreed to uh, do this in the first place sounds like a drunken promise that Homer <laughs> made Homer's statements too of just like what normal people like he's just he's he even when he's trying to be nice he's really just crapping on Lisa Tom which that again happens so much these seasons yeah it's a regular beat I think he, he really has that like kind of casual comments from a parent that will absolutely destroy you down pretty good oh yes yeah yeah that that, that they're even more mean in their thoughtlessness because homer isn't trying yep. to hurt her feelings <laughs> but just as especially as like things normal people would like just <laughs> full of judgment there mm -hmm. but but then homer's uh passive aggressive in those statements turns into active aggression in the uh this next clip here oh this looks very educational oh. well this could be quite enlightening. Oh. Fine. How about... Oh. She didn't say it yet. Go ahead, sweetie. The book fair? Oh, no. I'm not falling for that again. If it doesn't have Siamese twins in a jar, it's not a fair. Oh, this is perfect. We're going to go see Marmaduke? <laughs> no. The Smithsonian Traveling Exhibit. It encapsulates America and makes history come alive. 
What, and Marmaduke doesn't? <laughs> Sorry, Dad, my mind is made up. This is all your fault for trading away your turn just for that no dessert tonight. Trade you my next turn for your dessert, deal. Don't! Yeah, Marmaduke's always a good punchline. Good old Marmaduke. Yeah. Is, is that one that carried over uh, to your neck of the woods? No, I was just about to ask, what is Marmaduke? Oh my goodness, you, you're missing out on well, some of the worst card Sit back, get ready for an hour. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so... They're one-panel comic strips, actually kind of like Andy Cap, who will be referenced later. But you should pitch it like, "What if a dog oh, yeah. was big?" Yes, a dog is too big to do things, but he doesn't understand that. That dog's walking you. <laughs> that's the premise <laughs> know, of Marmaduke. That's, that's, that's a pretty exciting premise. To me. Yeah. Now imagine that joke went on for fifty years, and <laughs> once a day, and they never stopped. I, I believe what Mort. Walker, no, not more Walker. That's Beetle Bailey. The creator of Marmaduke is uh, Satan. Is, <laughs> I think there's still new Marmadukes being made, even though the creator passed away. I, I, I guess I see it has. I see it got a film release in 2010, and it has a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's lucky to have even that. Yes. There was a I, movie, yeah. So it's had like four different authors over the past uh, sixty plus years. Wow. So uh, now it's Paul Anderson, uh, 2015 to present. Okay, he's so he's not the artist they put in as a character in Rick and Morty. In the uh, no, okay, but apparently it looks like he is the uh, the descendant of the original creator, Brad Anderson. So that's how it always works. Like uh, Beetle, ba- Beetle Bailey will live forever because the the Walker family will like uh, multiply. Same with like Family Circus. Yeah. These. See, these are all these comic strips that are too bad to be put in international newspapers but he uh, really really looks like scooby-doo like to a shocking degree i i do think he predates scooby by like actually. 15 yeah, years yeah, yeah. <laughs> well was it owen wilson that's him in the marmaduke movie uh, i think so yeah <laughs> oh boy i think he looks even more freakish than the garfield cgi creature even <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, but Marmaduke is, you know, if you were a kid reading the comic strip page in your local American newspaper, I would read every single comic, but in order, in a very specific order of, like, tiered list, and... If I was so bored, I was like, I guess I'll read Marmaduke. <laughs> I remember like Marmaduke was on a different page next to the Junior Jumble just yeah, because of the way yeah. it fit in the layout. It, it was never on the comics page proper. I was like, I guess this will fit next to a Junior Jumble or two. So uh, yeah. it was weirdly placed. So I would I would scan it real quick. Just like, oh, yeah, he's in trouble again. Whatever. <laughs> Making a mess. That move, postman move on. got knocked over. The- <laughs> So, yeah, Homer and Homer being a fan of Marmaduke <laughs> says so much about Homer. <laughs> and Andy Cap is referenced later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, that that was my first uh, knowledge of like uh, the pub scene of the of England, I suppose. But uh, the Smithsonian, though, has anybody been to the Smithsonian here? I have. I have, too. Mm-hmm. Guessing no on you. No. Okay. <laughs> you don't have one? <laughs> no, I mean, if you visit Washington, D.C., it, it would be high on your list of places to it's go. Like, it's I'd a say. bunch of buildings, though, right? Yeah, there's like five Smithsonians. I, I will admit, I haven't been to the Smithsonian in 18 years. Like, that's, that's when I It's been about there. 12 years for me. And uh, I never went to a touring thing, though, which they do that as well. Like, they take some stuff from the Smithsonian and then tour tour it all around the United States to take it to different museums. That's also, like, there's a similar thing with that when I was a little kid of King Tut's uh, stuff, you know, stolen from Egypt. Yeah. The, the British people were taking it all around America. So what you're saying is you're cursed. 
Unfortunately, we weren't able to make it in okay. time to Whew. see King Tut. So I'm not, I have not gotten King Tut's curse. But uh, yeah, the when I went to the Smithsonian, it was after I'd seen this episode. So I was looking for Fonzie's jacket and all the other stuff they see. I think, there. I think the real thing that's there is Archie Bunker's chair, though, right? I think they're both there. Okay. But what I did see when I was there uh, was Star Wars memorabilia. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, and uh, actually, so. I had the inverse of Homer and Lisa's experience here where Lisa, you know, is like, why are you looking at all these stupid pop culture products? We have American history here. Look at this. When we were there, my dad was the one going like, why are you looking at Star Wars props? (laughs) The the Declaration of Independence is here. But I had never seen these Star Wars props in person. They had the full Crimson Guard outfit right there. So you were like in the Planet Hollywood exhibit. Pretty much, yes, yeah. And uh, my dad, my dad doesn't like many things I like, but he really hates Star Wars, <laughs> and so it, uh, it. I guess it was kind of like the situation in this episode of my dad suffering through a. Uh, a very celebratory of George Lucas documentary that was airing there at the Smithsonian, and he had to just sit through it. <laughs> I was gonna try, I was gonna say, try explaining to your dad that you're an anime YouTuber, mm. but then you do run a Simpsons podcast, and I don't think it's that different a conversation. <laughs> Similar conversations, yeah. <laughs> With any of my interests, my parents' uh, philosophy has been: he knows what he's doing. <laughs> they never interfered or been interested, so uh, it's better that they yeah. don't know. I remember my mom said to my dad once, listen, he never listens to us. He just does his own thing. So just don't even bother this time. And since then, they've just been like, "Okay, you seem to have some idea what you're doing with your life. (laughs) That's uh, that's the best I can get out of my parents, too. I well, I will say the I I feel your pain there, too. John. I think Bob and me both do of like that. My parents at least watch The Simpsons and know what that is. Yeah, we watched it together for like the first five or six years, maybe a little bit longer than that. But when my parents like saw the when I asked for a Neon Genesis Evangelion wall scroll for a birthday, it made absolutely no sense to them. And it was in it, it is an inexplicable show. So I was kind of in so a corner there. One time for Christmas, I asked for like the Neon Genesis Evangelion box set. And whatever happens, things got so lost in translation. I ended up with Ray Charles 50 Years of Genius box set. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm trying to make sense of how that would even uh, mistranslate. <laughs> yeah, that oh. was really something. Wow. Well, I mean, hey, that's good music, too. Yeah. But wow, that's uh, pretty. That's what they said. They were like, oh, we're sorry it's the wrong, but Ray Charles is very talented. And I'm like, I'm sure he is. <laughs> Does he have access to a robot? <laughs> uh, he doesn't have existential dread about robots. Mm-mm. I mean, he goes through his own problems, sure, but no, no robots. Uh, but, wow, that yeah, I'm I'm now just trying to play the deductive reasoning of figuring out how it got to there. That was a very like yeah, I think I think it was com- compounded by it was one of the first things they ever ordered off Amazon as well. Mm. So I think oh. there was a lot. In hindsight, I was expecting a lot. I was a pretty like fastidious kid. Uh, so when I had like lists for Christmas or birthday, I'd be like, here's where you buy it. Here's how you say it. Here's how much it should cost. When I was a teenager and couldn't drive, my mom would often pick up games I had pre-ordered at the video game store because it was right by where she worked. And I was like, here's how you say Pokemon. Here's how, here's what this is. Here's what the strategy guide looks like. I had to like basically brief her before work. <laughs> 
She very nicely picked up a lot of things for me. It's the same. Sometimes even like I'd be like, could you pick me up a video game magazine? And she'd be on the store being like, which one do you want? And I'd be like, well, what's on the cover? <laughs> and I'd make, uh, yeah. Just she's a, she's ask a the man lady. <laughs> yeah, very, you know, this episode is all about remembering uh, the things our parents did for us. That's, but, <laughs> but yes. Oh, well, yeah, this, this became weirdly thematically relevant. <laughs> uh, but as they arrive at the Smithsonian thing, we get a quick joke that is like more real than ever about corporations buying up uh, things. Hey, how come the Smithsonian needs to be sponsored by a cell phone company? I can answer that. Uncle Sam needs to spend our tax dollars on the essentials. Anti-tobacco programs, pro-tobacco programs, killing wild donkeys, and Israel. Good old government. Yeah, but corporate sponsorship cheapens our nation's treasures. Actually, they're Omnitouch's treasures now. We bought them during the last budget crisis. They are such a fan of the Lindsay Nagel style character in uh, these years. Oh, yeah. It's a real go-to yeah. for humor. This is... Yeah, totally. This is maybe the most magically powered one, though, because yeah. she can appear from behind anything. I, I love that bit where it's just like she's not even a human. She's just this weird corporate entity. <laughs> she's just there to explain whatever the corporation needs to like that. And yeah, like the, they could only imagine how powerful cell phone companies would be by now. Like it's uh, Lisa's anger it w- would be uh, tenfold these days. I did enjoy all of her euphemisms in this episode. It reminded me of the Fleet of Pita lady. It's like yeah. they're called crunch patties. <laughs> uh, God, all of her, you know, uh, new speak kind of words in this are so funny. It's called caring. <laughs> caring. C- communication unity community and it couldn't be more real now like this is the this is the way woke brands talk to people like it's all yep. eh, it's also true uh, i mean that, that that if you guys saw that surprise mechanic story about loot boxes that is just that except it wasn't a joke and it happened in parliament <laughs> oh god that's uh man that sounds pretty fucked up over there <laughs> yeah i don't uh, life's a nightmare now <laughs> it really is so i looked into this on the wikipedia just to be sure i think this is the final appearance of a lindsey nagel that is not true lindsey nagel because oh interesting that's cool the the full design of her with the blonde hair and the outfit and all the things she normally has that will be in the May 9th episode, uh, the Mensa episode, they save Lisa's oh, brain. Okay, yeah. That one is fully the Lindsay Nagel that we see. Like, so, but I mean, this character has glasses and a different hairstyle. We've seen a more basically brunette Lindsay Nagel in episodes like the Poochie episode or Kids News, but this is like uh, this is like her cousin from out of town, yeah. Lindsay Nagel, and named after uh, Sue Nagel, who was uh, an agent at the time. Yeah, and uh, she would later be going to become an HBO president, right? And she yeah. was the one who gave Game of Thrones a chance when no one else wanted to. And also, uh, she was married to future Simpsons writer Dana Gould. Yes, yeah, uh, now divorced. Uh, he's got a he's got a young Betty Page style girlfriend now. It's all working he? out for him. Oh, well, he does. Okay, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> good hey good for good Dana. for him if he's if everybody's happy that's good but yeah this uh so say goodbye to proto nagel we'll soon have real nagel uh in it. but so they take uh they take a walk through the smithsonian they see all the things that are in the regular smithsonian which i think you know 
scolds like Lisa can be like, that's not history. But I think if they're reflecting what's popular on television in the last like 70 years, that is American culture more so than like some politician or soldier or whatever. It's people, it's fictional people on TV. I think, I think it's the smart thing to do. Though, I mean, where, do, where does it end? Like, will there be, like, costumes from Twilight in there? I, yeah, when honestly, we're, there could have been. When we're 90, we'll be cutting the ribbon for the podcasting museum. Oh, boy, I can only hope. <laughs> no, I mean, John, you're going to be in the YouTuber Hall of Fame when they buy part of the Smithsonian YouTube does. Are oh, God, I don't know that that's a hall I want to see or be associated <laughs> oh, with. God. Uh, or we can all just tell Patreon buys a Smithsonian and yeah. then put us in there. We'll be in shrine there. One of our corporate overlords will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, hey, this will cheer us up. Homer destroys the Bill of Rights yeah. <laughs> after sitting in Archie Bunker's chair. <laughs> you just licked off the part that forbids cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> Beautiful. Really? That much? It's going to cost $10,000 to repair that document. What? Of course, OmniTouch understands that real money doesn't grow on trees. Not these days. Finally, a company that understands my needs. We sure do. It's called caring. So we're even then? Not by a long shot. (laughs) But I have a solution that'll work out for both of us. Especially you. I don't want a cellular transmitter sticking out of my roof. We prefer to think of them as keep-in-touch towers. It's called caring, Marge. Plus, you've increased Springfield's roaming capabilities 64%. You gotta admit, Marge, that's a lot more roaming. Mm, I guess. <laughs> it's a very, like, dystopian corporate thing that they uh, they basically take ownership of the word caring. Yes, yeah. And Homer is just parodied. It's called caring, Marge. I love that line where it's like, <laughs> you licked off the part that says cruel and unusual punishment. He just goes, <laughs> beautiful. Like, I just think that's such <laughs> so a now nicely delivered little line. It's legal throughout all of America because the, uh, <laughs> the ink disappeared. I love I love that the guy has uh, the brass knuckles just waiting like, oh, yeah, here we yeah, go. Yeah, like he's, he's been waiting for someone to lick off that line. <laughs> There's a very fun, pedantic commentary moment where they, they bring up that Homer licks it off. Shouldn't the Bill of Rights stuff that's on his tongue be reversed because he licked it off? I guess the joke, I guess what the exploitation was, it'd be too hard to read the gags. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I love, though, that on the commentary, Matt Selman can hear them getting back into the argument they had 20 or 15 years earlier when they recorded it. And he's just like, stop, stop, stop. Let's (laughs) not talk about it. Uh I guess though, yes, it's it, but it's not correct. That's uh, uh I got to play the boring jingle now. It's not technically about. correct. <laughs> For terms, gentlemen, are we talking about redistricting or are we talking about reapportionment? Because oh well, no can't win them all. I like that our jingle has no music. It would make <laughs> it too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it, it has to be as flat as possible, and Homer has to sound disappointed at the end of it. Also, you know, it's funny they're connecting uh, Archie Bunker's chair and a piece of American history because the creator of All in the Family and all those other shows Norman Lear, he actually owns a copy from 1776 of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, that's right. There were several copies of it. Yes, yes. So I mean, it's not the real one, but if it was a copy made in 1776, it's as close to being able to buy the real one as you possibly can get. He paid $9 million for it in 2000, which that's got to be worth a lot more now. It's got some founding father's filth on it. (laughs) Wow. Probably held by one of their slaves. (laughs) 
Uh, but but yeah, so it's it's uh, they made this joke about connecting Bill of Rights and All in the Family a year before Norman Lear buys the Declaration of Independence. Uh, but yeah, Homer just falls into the corporate speak so easily. He's just like, hey, you gotta admit that's more roaming. <laughs> I feel it's I feel like it's really sad how I guess easily Marge just caves in and it's just like yeah I guess like this is the woman who grew furious over a bowling ball a couple of seasons ago and now her house has been turned into a corporate nightmare yeah she's been very worn down by this point they, yeah. uh, she just has to accept these things that Homer clearly agreed to without Marge even being asked to maybe she should see it from the Omni Touches Corporation's point of view <laughs> uh, she finally does and just like I guess you're right like what and Homer is such a good consumer that the second he's told, like, finally, a company that understands my needs, he believes anything OmniTouch <laughs> yeah. tells him. <laughs> I mean, these terms like roaming, we didn't have a cell phone in 1999 yet, I think. I think uh, my parents had them at this point. Uh, maybe like by like 96, they had there was at least one cell phone floating around in our family. Okay. My dad worked for a company that would eventually, I think, turn, is Altel still around? I don't think it is. After all the lawsuits, no. <laughs> the famous <laughs> Gilbert Fiat oh hey but, <laughs> but my dad did work for them uh and by the i maybe a little after this episode we got a cell phone because he was working for them but uh they were all getting prepared for y2k which is just uh what 10 months away in our mm. simpsons timeline but uh but yeah that was i think when we finally got a, a cell phone uh then homer is getting all comfortable on his or on the couch we get a reference to Andy Cap, which uh, they'd already done there. Oh, Andy Cap, you wife-beating drunk. Yeah, and he's in the classic Cap uh, couch pose. Back to the camera. Which uh, does look comfortable. Yeah. It did. I, I wanted to curl up on my couch right there. It's like a, a drunk fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and in America, like, I guess handicap comics, I, I bet you could probably still find it published in things, but more famous for the hot fries. Yeah. Sorry. Didn't yeah. you steal your fire? No, I think that's pretty much it. Like just, but he's, he's the mascot of like the cheapest type of potato snack you can get in America. Just like, Oh, it's a hot fries. Just like thin strips of potato with, tons of seasoning on it do you have the handicap hot fries over there john i'm curious no i don't think we do oh. they were really like the in-demand item in our uh, high school vending machines like they would always go out the first uh, they would always be the first like sold out item in the machines i didn't even know that handicap was like a british pr uh creation until years later like it just was presented in american newspapers is just like ah, it's just it's a comic strip like i think i don't know if they rewrote words in it or anything i would think they would i think no, i think they left it in in, like the slang oh, okay we're like putting in like apostrophes to abbreviate things and using just like the uh, i guess whatever sort of uh region he was in their slang i don't think they uh localized it if they mentioned spotted dick we'd all be confused <laughs> it's funny over there too <laughs> okay <laughs> uh but yes homer is uh very thoughtlessly destroying uh their home and lisa learns that she is the greatest victim of them all here just pretend it's a tree honey or as we say at omni touch a progress tree. Huh. Yeah, well, I hope it doesn't hum too loud because I have a ton of homework to do and I'm finally finished. Ah! My room! What? I heard a yell. Did you touch a wire? <laughs> what happened to my room? Nothing. They just needed a place to put all the electronic gizmos and I know how much you like that sciencey stuff. So I just... You gave away my room? Come on, Lisa, try and see this from the OmniTouch Corporation's point of view. Your father's right, Lisa. Cellular service is about communication and unity. Community. 
You hardly has to sigh a lot this episode. Yeah, Lisa's in real distress. I really like like the just the voice performance there. Like I think she when when she's like you gave away my room, she sounds so upset. Like it's genuinely kind of sad. Yeah, it's like it's it's funny, but also like Homer is so stupid to this point. He's putting this giant like corporation ahead of his daughter, and it's like it's kind of awful. Yeah, the the that's something they have to make Homer so much more stupid for these because the only other way it works is if Homer is like intentionally cruel. I think he's just been worse. I think what they're trying to do is uh like he's been his mind has been clouded by corporate propaganda, and that's why they're making Homer like they're giving him the excuse to be this cruel because he's just parroting all of these corporate slogans and (laughs) the intention of the corporation is good in his opinion. So I think that is giving him permission to be this cruel to Lisa. Man, it's so mean. Like, it's just to give away her room. Like, your room is all you have as a little kid. Like, it's... it's Did all her stuff get destroyed? Did it get put into storage? I say uh, take over Maggie's room and move Maggie to the rumpus room that exists outside of space and time. I never thought... You're right. (laughs) Just destroy... She's a baby. Just get it. It is, it is pretty uh, weird that she has her own room, that baby. Come on. Yeah, I, I feel like you're asking for trouble leaving a baby all by itself in the room there. I, I don't know. I, I am not a parent, so who knows? But yeah, like, uh, yeah, the acting by Yardley. Yardley does a lot of great acting in this one. And that reaction from her is like, you gave away my room? Like, she's just beyond incredulous with her. She's like bewildered and furious at the same time. And that's also when it's the last appearance of not Lindsay Nagel and they all they had like almost like kind of a creepy layer like she like sidles out behind that turning rod yeah yeah she has a real like uh nightmare appearance and uh, i mean also too adding that to their house they're all getting cancer right like you can't you shouldn't live under a cell phone can't be that close no but i mean that's the ridiculousness of it i think I will say I, I've learned to care less about these things, but I do think this episode ruffled my feathers a bit in 1999 because I knew it would just be reset. They'd pretend they never had it. Like Lisa would get her room back the next episode. And it it's just such an extreme change. It it shows that things don't matter in this uh, mm, new world. Yeah. Here. yeah, I think it's, it's like they're constantly edging towards that point. And this is one of them where it was like, whoa, seriously? <laughs> I, I When they, they come back from the commercial break, Marge does the closest she'll have to an excuse where she's like, it's just until your father pays back for destroying a national treasure. And so the explanation seems to be once they pay back the 10,000 to OmniTouch, then OmniTouch would remove it. But how can they possibly remove a cell phone tower from their house that easily? But uh, yeah, I, I think you're pretty much... Though there is a big Marge subplot, you're basically supposed to forget there's a cell phone tower on the Simpsons house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Homer paid it off. It's fine. It went away. Sure. There are bigger cheats in the series, even in like early years. This is a big cheat, though. It's pretty big. And also, they did an animation technique I don't think they normally do. I can't remember another time, but it's like... When they put uh, shadow, you know, lines around them, they're not blue. They're usually black or darker tones. So it's like yellow, orange, and blue on the characters, like shadowing over Elisa, Mar- telling her about community. It's it's I, a I, I liked that a lot, and I liked when um, like she opened the door and there was those like blue highlights on her. I thought that was really cool. Um, and I think a lot of earlier Simpsons episodes did really interesting stuff with the lighting, and it was kind of cool to see an echo of that. Yeah, the colors were an interesting choice. It makes the room mm. even more creepy. And totally. uh, like aggressive. 
Yeah, and that's uh, not to bag on current day Simpsons shows, but I think that's the kind of stuff they lose because a lot of the time it feels like backgrounds are just taken from pre-established assets. So like, yeah. well, we already drew this room or let's let's just follow that rule. Like, they do do like the odd experimental section. Yeah. But it's like if they're doing it, it's like that's the gimmick, this section, as opposed to just having like interesting art direction throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's much more isolated those moments instead of yeah. and, and definitely come with like a, a clear effort by one artist on the team of like no why don't we do this let's 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 go let's be out there this scene uh yeah. but yeah so so we come back from the commercial Lisa is is still incredulous and when they slam the door on a room I think that's them saying to the audience to like just. Forget what's in there. We're not going to see this that over. Again. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but yes, Lisa has lost everything. And Homer then somehow makes things worse. Lisa, what's your favorite movie? Until you taped over it, The Little Mermaid. That's right. The Odd Couple. <laughs> so meet your comically mismatched roommate, Bart Simpson. Biddy, biddy, biddy. I'm gonna make your life a living hell. Okay, if you're gonna live in my room, you're gonna obey my rules. One, I am Bart, thy god. If I am out, the crusty doll is thy god. If the doll's with me, you will worship the nightlight. Should the nightlight be unable to fulfill its duties... Shut up. You shut up. Ugh, this is not gonna work. No, you shut up. Mm-hmm. Oh. Lots of sighing from the yes. straight. Oh. <laughs> I love Bart thinking that the Lisa's still in the shut up argument that he gets like, no, you shut <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, I love Homer singing, like, nearly willfully just suppressing the situation so he doesn't have to think about it. And he's <laughs> he's continuing the song down the hallway. Even yeah. Yeah. To. Singing the song to himself made him forget whatever else he was saying. And I, again, that's one of these things where you have to either write Homer as so stupid to be thoughtless because otherwise he's just cruel. Like he, he should be listening to Lisa say all these things, but he's, he's just been reminded of the odd couple. And he's like lost in a fugue state. almost. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Uh, Some of my favorite animation in the episode is when he's bent down to be face to face with Lisa, but he's like moving his hips at the same (laughs) time to sing the song. Uh, And that's uh, yeah. The odd couple theme, both for the movie and the sitcom of the 70s as well i looked it up it was written by neil hefty hmm. who wrote the batman theme okay a classic batman both theme. good themes iconic theme songwriter of the uh, 60s there i do think you know it almost uh, it might be correct for an eight-year-old your average eight-year-old but i think lisa should have a different movie than little mermaid be your favorite movie i don't know that that feels too doesn't feel mature enough yeah i I always found that like a little odd sometimes when like they'll go really hard on lisa being an eight-year-old girl but then like everything else about her is so much more mature like i think she'd be more into like the Say Winona Ryder version of Little Women at that point, hmm. or maybe the '90s version of Pride and Prejudice, something like like a little smarter. I think it was her. what, uh, but like Mike Scully channeling what his daughters were into in the '90s. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess like the fact that it is Little Mermaid does make her come across like more innocent in that segment, which is like then you're nearly playing on like the absurd cruelty of Homer as like the joke. I guess it does make the cruelty even worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That also Homer taped over it too, so. 
Lisa, you know what? That you go by it so fast, but the reference is that Lisa is being so ignored by Homer, she can't even watch her favorite movie anymore because Homer taped over it. And he doesn't even remember he did that. As somebody who got frustrated as a kid by parents not listening to them, this middle act here of her just being so fully ignored by Homer at every turn, it's uh, it's frustrating for sure. And uh, anybody share rooms with their siblings? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't have any. Lucky, oh, lucky so lucky. Lucky. Mm-hmm. I uh, I have a brother three years younger than me when he was born we had to share a room and i think until i was about five and he was two that's maybe when we got separate rooms but it was a long time it felt like a long time when i was a kid well my my little brother though we didn't have like fights like that it was just more that he had bad ear infections as a little baby so it uh, drove me crazy and obviously as a as a four-year-old you don't have any empathy for your little brother's ear infections you're mad i was already mad that no no one was paying attention to me anymore and now this screaming baby all the time it was should have uh, infected your ears it's that easy uh, i tried it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work i have too healthy take. of ears uh but i was very happy to by seven i had my own room and my own tv which mm. was pretty sweet but ruin a generation <laughs> me too yeah no having your own tv man uh, but i i remember watching clarissa explains it all marathon the first day i got my tv right into then a marathon of pro wrestling i get used to this <laughs> uh but but at age eight and ten having to share a room with my with my brother would be a hell world oh yeah i already did not get along with my sister so uh that would never happen no my parents no. are too smart but yeah so then the b plot kind of comes out of nowhere here and they they have maybe two minutes to give it. It's a very underserved B plot. Yeah, there's a cut yeah. joke from this B plot too. Oh right, what? Yeah, is it's the- Otto trying to buy drugs from Snake, and uh, he messes up the lingo. And uh, that was a cute joke. It's I all right. Saw that in yeah, the scenes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, the commentary to this had it had a moment I had forgot what episode the commentary mentioned it, but that this episode is another with the very long intros. They do the full intro on it. Yeah. And Mike Scully mentions on the commentary his. Re- reasoning for it was he really hated that syndication was making all these cuts to episodes so he's like well if i just give a long intro they can cut the intro to like the 10 second version in syndication and they won't cut out any of my jokes and then he finds out on the commentary they're like nah they just keep the long intro so, syndication version and don't and they still cut jokes. It, it was he meant well it was a good idea yeah yeah but now i understand why he uh we have the long opening for every one of his episodes mm-hmm. it's very distracting to see the full season two opening in season 10 <laughs> but but he was only doing it to prevent the things that were driving me crazy every cut in syndication it's why i'd never watch syndication if i could i'd just put in my tapes thankfully now it doesn't matter yes. if you pledge your loyalty to disney mm-hmm. you'll be fine but yes the the b plot comes in it was it's one of the like the last remaining things from the bill and josh years that they never found a thing for in season seven or eight that scully's using now because like uh bill oakley and josh weinstein apparently actually did this of using baby monitors to listen oh, into people's yeah. calls uh over airwaves like which uh, sounds illegal but uh, i i had a friend who did the same thing oh, really? she had a walkie-talkie and sometimes we'd be in a room and she'd just be like oh someone's on 
And it, all it was ever was like, I think two guys who were in some kind of moving business, <laughs> but we were fascinated. Uh, oh yeah. Like, like one of my sister's bad boyfriends of several uh, had a police scanner and would bring it over occasionally. And I would listen to just like the most boring conversations from neighbors, but I could hear them. And that was the point. That was what uh, made it exciting. Like talking about recipes and uh, <laughs> quilting and all that boring crap. Yeah. You never know what you're going to hear. You might, Marge gets the most exciting phone calls in this one. Let's see Marge make uh, quite a discovery. Hello, Mother. Oh, Maggie! Seymour, you were supposed to call me three minutes ago. Sorry, Mother. I was driving through a tunnel and my cell phone wouldn't work. I don't want you driving through tunnels. You know what that symbolizes. But, Mother, it cuts 90 minutes off my drive. No tunnels! Homer, we're picking up cell phone calls over the baby monitor. Ooh, anything spicy? Well, that's not the point. We should report this to an OmniTouch care rep. People's <laughs> privacy is at stake. Great. I'm going to eat mayonnaise. <laughs> it's funny how the mayonnaise thing does come back. Yeah. I At first, I was like, uh, it felt like just an easy food monster Homer joke, but... There's like three jokes in a row about the mayonnaise, so they they actually earn it, I think. It's not just a a simple gross-out thing. Uh, I I really love the line, um, you know what that symbolizes? Uh, (laughs) Agnes is one of my favorite characters, and... Whenever like her like just obscene bitterness comes to the surface, it always makes me laugh. Yeah, this is some of her meanest things. So now he has like a, a ninety-minute longer commute. Yeah, or else I think that's you know what digging even deeper. I think that's why she got let him have a cell phone so uh, she could call and know he's not driving through a tunnel. <laughs> she also wants him so like unsexual that he can't even metaphorically <laughs> and uh I also, I also like we get a little bongo cameo there too the uh, the bunny toy that maggie's got oh you're right okay yeah but i think they drew a very los angeles tunnel there that yeah skinner drove through it definitely reminded me of our trips to the la area but uh homer just that's one of those moments where marge just has to throw up her hands where homer just goes like great i'm gonna go eat some mayonnaise <laughs> like uh with his hand just by hand yeah that's his well, private mayonnaise jar i think it's not, a, it's not spreading mayonnaise. It's, well, it's he's dipping. not sure whose mayonnaise that is. Oh, true. He just ate. Maybe he thought he grabbed the wrong jar. We head back up to the room. Bart is squeaking his chair. It makes me think one of the writers in the writer's room would just do that and yeah. drive other people crazy. Uh, and Homer enters the scene with an empty jar of mayonnaise. He just tosses on the bed, uh, which is pretty a pretty great continuation of the mayonnaise thing. And Bart doesn't even seem to mind that it got thrown in his bed. Uh, but then Bart gets a whole new thing to make noise with. Bart, stop squeaking your chair. If you've got to do something, click this pen. No! Hey, that looks like fun. Race ya. Yeah, run. Lisa, you play winner. (laughs) 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 Oh, honey, you missed a great race. Bart was winning, but then he said, this is stupid, and he stopped, and I won. Dad, (laughs) I am trying to do my homework. Hmm. Hey, you're mad at me. That wasn't your mayonnaise, was it? Dad, why did you have to take away my room? Maybe you'd feel better if we watched some TV together. <gasps> I just want to study. That's no fun. It is to me. No, it's not. Dad! <laughs> Ooh, here's something you like when animals attack magicians. Pick a card. Any... <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Awful entertaining. Uh. 
My stomach hurts. Oh, poor Lisa. That, I thought that pen-clicking gag was in Lisa the Simpson for oh, a minute. Yeah, I yeah. misremembered it as being in love. It seems like a very it's dumb like thing to witness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but the click that Homer creates it into a race. He's like, I'm gaining on you. Like, I like that Bart thought it was stupid first. Too. <laughs> like, that's how childishly they're writing Homer at this point. I, I really love the pick a cut. Oh, like that. Yes. And even just the idea of the show when animals attack magicians. It's like, it's such, it's such like great absurdist Simpson humor. We are in the uh, when blanks blank and world's blankiest blanks era of Fox. So yes, yeah. they're really digging into the uh, Actually, those sort of shows. It's it's bringing together two of Fox's biggest hits of those times. It was when animals attack plus oh, magician secrets reveal. Yeah, oh. that's true. So it's uh, that magician is Ned Flanders. Uh, just hearing it in sound. <laughs> yeah, there, like he tore his mask off and his face. But it's funny to hear Ned, of all people, get attacked by... But yeah, I like the... It feels like some Harry Shearer improv of just like, pick another card. That was, that was good. But man, Homer is so bad here. This yeah. Is just, man, it, uh, it it just makes me sad. I also, I didn't clip the line, but the when Lisa says, why didn't you give them your room? And he's like, oh, the thought never occurred to me. Yeah, just, yeah. I, I just, uh, I guess they have to say, well, he's just, he's being thoughtless, but not like uh, intentionally cruel. Sure. His problem is his thoughtlessness. There's a lack of empathy, too. Yeah. Like this scene here, Homer, Homer thinks he's doing a great thing for Lisa. He's like, I know what's fun. This must be fun for you, too. So let's do a thing that's fun. He he can't understand Lisa at all. And that that's a good, like, issue for them to explore in this episode. But you just feel so bad for Lisa. And she's especially when she is like physically ill yeah. from it all. It's, it's sad. It's it, All she wants to do is her homework. And again, great acting from Yardley, where she's like, like she's so frustrated. It's it's great acting. Then we get one of these jokes that's not so good 20 years later of Marge yeah. listening in on a phone call. It's referencing the Eddie Murphy thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in case you weren't aware of this, in 1997, Eddie Murphy was caught uh, in his car picking up a, a sex worker who is, you know, is also trans as well, a trans sex worker. This often happens, unfortunately, in these things. Eddie Murphy, as the customer, was not arrested, but was, you know, part of the report. The sex worker who was arrested, they got publicized, and then it was a huge story that Eddie Murphy had picked up a trans prostitute, but said in a much uh, less woke terminology than I'm it using now. It was basically like, I guess the term was like crossdresser, like a uh, transvestite. Yeah. That's what I mean. They didn't know what language to use in 1997, no, I mean, but like, yeah. that, this person was already dead by the time they made this episode, though. Yeah, which that's one of those eerie things about it. That yeah. the, uh, the, the person is uh, Shalimar Seuli. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but she had some fame and worked more in the adult arts after uh after getting the uh the publicity of of being of being arrested for this but then in a very like weird accident of like accidentally locking herself outside of her apartment and trying to get to an open window and falling five stories and dying like it's it's just very odd i'll say but yeah so she had passed away by this point but that's uh, it's uh, it's just a bummer kind of joke now that obviously the writers didn't mean it yeah, that yeah. way then. And I think we've all, I, I think we, I've definitely in the last 20 years, I've learned a lot about trans people and would not, and wouldn't make that joke now either. Yeah, totally. 
yeah, the lines then of like, at least I thought she was a chick, those kind of things. Like, I will say there were many worse comedies in 1999 making yeah. much crueler jokes well, than Simpsons. Krusty was the character they project every sleazy Hollywood story onto. Yeah, so yeah. it makes sense he'd be the character for that. Anyway, yes, Krusty. They're putting that bit of Hollywood Babylon onto Krusty for this joke here. But, uh, but, uh, but a clown in a towel hitchhiking home is a funny through the desert through the (laughs) desert yeah yeah yeah, that is funny seemingly the same desert that uh, that homer and ned were left in in just a few episodes earlier as my continuity nerd thumbs up they also had his cattle skull birthmark the superfluous nipple and his i don't even look for those anymore because i just assume they're there (laughs) i also like that marge is from all the stuff she's learned she just writes like mayor quimby interns uh burns greedy greedy yeah all these surface level (laughs) yeah i actually i actually missed that one that's really good that's uh that's the best gag in that sequence there and so uh, Lisa tells Marge she's got a tummy that hurts. And so uh, instead of changing the Maggie's diaper, Homer then takes Lisa to the doctor where that's Hibbert tells her it's from stress. It's stress related. And that uh, I, you know, I wonder if the writers were suffering from this at the time or mm. were putting in their own stress related injuries into the script. They should here. learn to chuckle mindlessly. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it. <laughs> it uh, I like that gag. It at least lets you know that Hibbert, now you know, he laughs all the time because otherwise he'd have a heart attack or he'd just be yeah like I, I thought that was a kind of fun spin on that character and like at this point like the dr hibbert laughs so established and I, I think it was kind of interesting they sort of played with it there and uh this also when homer suggests taking her to a demolition derby which will pay off in the mm-hmm. end of the episode so that's that's good plotting there too uh but then after turning down the chuckling uh lisa is given another option which uh, she seems to like well, I could prescribe some harsh antacids, but I think Lisa would benefit more from some herbal teas or aromatherapy. Yeah, you know, some of that all-natural stuff is really very well. Oh, no, you don't. Screw that touchy, query crap. <laughs> we'll take the harsh antacids. Nothing's too good for my little girl. I sure settled his hash. Imagine that quack thinking you'd try one of those crazy new age cures. They're not all crazy, Dad. Sure they are, honey. You know, just because you say something is crazy doesn't make it so. And just because you think museums are boring and demolition derbies are fun doesn't make that true either. I'm sorry, Lisa. Oh, it's not your fault. I know we love each other, Dad, but we're two very different people. And much as I hate to say it... As time goes on, we'll probably just drift further and further apart. Oh, Lisa, honey, I won't ever let that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Good act break of him drifting further apart as he goes backwards down the escalator. Though just listening to it now, I was shaking my head of like when Lisa says... That's not your fault. Like, but it is. Yeah, no, his it, fault. it totally is his fault. Yeah, like, it is indisputably his fault. This this episode does fall too much uh, on Homer's side, just because of uh, the men writing it. I think. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. It, it really is his fault. Yeah. I. I mean, that's part of the lopsidedness of this story too. That like Lisa. Lisa, for the last like six minutes of the show, has been just crying out for Homer to listen to her and just expressing her feelings, and Homer simply can't hear it and then the one time lisa uh, reacts to homer and yells at him and hurts his feelings she instantly goes like i'm sorry like it's just such the sad music happens when lisa is mean once yeah (laughs) not like the eight times previously homer was mean 
Yeah, it's not fair that they treat it as equal. Uh, all, well, not equal. They don't fully treat it like that, but it is like, hey, mistakes were made on both sides here, huh? Like, let's, let's, uh, I, I don't like that so much. Homer, I guess in a way, Homer will pay physical penance for what he does. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Though, you know, if you look, think about it causationally, if Lisa hadn't picked the Smithsonian, none of this would have happened in the first place. That's true. She should have realized way, Homer would have had some hijinks there and destroyed something. She's a fault. He's a tornado, human tornado. <laughs> yeah, he can't be blamed. I, I will say also, it's it's weirder now hearing Homer say touchy query crap. Uh, That's also yeah, I, I got a bit of a shock when they said that line. I was like, whoa, okay. I. <laughs> I guess it was, this was a while ago. Yeah. I mean, I think even then it was kind of a surprise to hear. Yeah. Not as, it's not, a, it's not a little meaner now. than a airy fairy, which is a term he could have used, which is also offensive. Yes, but yeah, hearing yeah. query in there, it's just kind of like, whoa. I, you yeah. know, I think it was one of those uh, fun Simpsons turns on sayings where you expect him to say touchy feely crap. Yeah. But that's too obvious. Like that, uh, it's, if it's what the audience is expecting, that he can't say feely. So what does he say instead? We says query just to make it even worse. Uh, and if it, uh, again, great shot layout. One of my favorite shots in the episode is when Lisa is going like, you know, there's actually some good stuff. And Homer, when he interrupts her, his hand also just covers her face. Oh, you're right. But I also, this is the one time I side with Homer. Like, yes, use medicine to help your medical problem. <laughs> Don't use herbal teas or aromatherapy. Actually use medicine mm. for your medical problem. He's not thinking of it in those terms, but yeah, I think he's yeah. right. Mm, yeah, I think now I probably would just say like, uh, just give me those harsh antacids. I'll take those. Like, I, I guess it is kind of extreme for Lisa to take all those antacids at her age. I mean, an eight-year-old developing an ulcer, that would be like a national news story. I think yeah. it would be. It's more like she needs a lifestyle change, but I think actual medicine would be better for her. Mm. I guess they need Hibbert to direct them to the New Age stuff because I, it's been firmly established in this episode that if Lisa was the one to suggest it, it wouldn't have even happened anyway. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, let's talk about this New Age stuff here. I This was definitely at the time in 1999, like South Park was making a lot of jokes about this too. Like uh, in general, uh, the people who made comedy shows did not think very well of New Age medicine or any of the no, crystals or, and everything. Or vegetarians, because if you're a vegetarian uh, where I grew up, if you went to a vegetarian grocery store, like one of these stores would always be attached to it and it stunk of incense so bad I would rarely go into them. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do have some experience. Yeah, I, I understand. It, it's funny because like the next scene, there's actually a scene in the most recent season, an episode of the most recent season 30, which is very similar, where Marge like buys a new age store. And I think it's like a crystal store. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen that one. I think I saw like a picture from it. That I Wow, I didn't realize that happened. Yeah. New ageness has only become more mainstream since then, especially like the what they're making fun of here was only like two blocks of real estate in LA, and like you'd maybe see get like one. I knew of maybe one store like that that in my suburban area that I'd have to drive like thirty miles to go to with my vegetarian friend for their needs, and <laughs> and definitely too I was. I had the Homer reaction to of like, hey, I'm accepting of other lifestyles and whatever, but this is stupid. Boo. But I think I have gotten more open-minded to it now, though not that I use it because it's dumb uh, query. No, <laughs> no, 
but I, I do think there is stuff worth making fun of in it to some degree of just, I especially think like a blonde lady saying namaste, yeah. that, that is worth making fun of. I yeah, think. all the appropriation of, uh, you know, other cultures, mm-hmm. medicines no and techniques. One, no one will ever make me believe crystals are real. Yeah. That yeah. in astrology, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care whatever's in retrograde, it's not affecting me. Mm, uh, yeah, they prove us wrong. <laughs> Listeners prove us wrong. <laughs> I'm a Taurus, you can't change me. <laughs> Oh, that was really funny. Thank you. <laughs> the uh, but yeah, so they head over to Carmaceuticals uh, and Homer. It it it's basically like a comedy bit where Homer just riffs on things in the store for a little bit, <laughs> like a toothbrush. That's pretty great. Yeah, and uh, Homer Homer has the reaction you'd expect for being in a new age store. Dreamcatcher, give me a break. I just wish you could keep an open mind about other cultures. Other cultures are fine. I'm just saying I can get along in life without a toothbrush. <laughs> Namaste. And uh, ooga booga to you too. Jeez. May I tell you about our white light specials? Absolutely not. My little girl's tummy hurts. Do you have anything to stop her complaining? Dad. Here, try this wheatgrass juice. <laughs> well, your tongue works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's try some oil of Lorenzo and uh, what's keeping Joan Rivers alive? Fetal grindings, but I have a better idea. Oh, no, no freezing. No, Mr. Simpson. This is a sensory deprivation tank. It blocks out all the external distractions that bombard our souls. Can you pee in it? I'll take two hours. (laughs) Me too. So yeah, I lived in Santa Fe for a summer and it's mostly these stores, but the women running them, uh, they're all white, but they're like 40 years older. Mm. They hate all young people there. <laughs> I mean, they've probably seen many young people enter and judge them constantly. Yeah. So <laughs> and I, rightfully I so, yeah. I could see them being on edge for sure. And uh, lots of selling of dream catchers and turquoise, especially mm. incense, yeah. tinctures, all your fun stuff. Yeah, again, the appropriation angle of those dream catchers, that's what offends me with them now, not just of like laughing at their validity validity or not but uh yeah no i i don't think i've spent much time in one of these stores but the uh the we i do like that wheatgrass joke of just like well your tongue works it shows that woman is a little more she's not as naive as she as yeah she might think she is she's like well this does taste bad yeah she at least uh and fetal grinding seems to imply that joan rivers eats babies yeah I guess, well to stay young it didn't really work uh, hey, it lasted a while. True. She stayed around for a while. <laughs> they had uh, some really mean Joan Rivers jokes this year. Yeah. What's the one that's like, help me, my daughter's untalented. That's right. Then she gets run over. Yeah. Like, so they, they were really mean to her at this time. And Oil of Lorenzo, a reference to Lorenzo's Ooh, oil. Ooh, really hacky. Yeah, <laughs> they, they could add a funnier thing there. But, but now we've gotten to the point where another secret reason why... I had asked on uh, Super Eye Patch Wolf this week, you have experience in a sensory deprivation tank, right? I sure do. Wow. I actually, I, I became kind of like fascinated with the idea because of this episode. And I was always like, man, I wonder if you actually hallucinate. Um, and so I actually tried them last year. Wow. So what's it like? Uh, it's pretty pleasant. Like mm. you kind of just float there and you kind of like let your mind go blank. And it's just it's just quite nice. I, I Like afterwards, I was like, I don't know if that had like a big effect on me or anything. And then I went home. And I had maybe the deepest sleep of my entire life, wow. except for like 11 hours 
And I was like, whoa, okay, wow. Wow, man, now you really sell me on this. I've, I've never done that, but I, I I sort of enter that state when I'm at the dentist, where it's just like <laughs> I can leave, make my soul leave my body. <laughs> I don't fall asleep, but I it's it's like I don't know what's happening. I can just sort of like exit my uh, my being. You're just so yeah. dissociative yeah. at that moment. I'm not afraid of it. Just like, well, here's my chance to just lay here. I have no other obligations, yeah. so they can just like work on my teeth. I think it's totally the kind of thing people should try. I'm sure there are people who's like, it wouldn't be for them, but I, I liked it. I'll probably go back for one at some point. Uh, you sell me on it too. I, because of this, I don't think entirely because of this episode, but I've just been scared to do it. I guess, you know, I, I'm not a particularly like claustrophobic person or anything. It's not on that level, but I guess the joke she says about you, you might destroy your mind. That does scare <laughs> me. Like, yeah. But that was one of those things. Like I never, tried uh you know marijuana for the longest time because i was worried like what if i'm the one person who goes crazy from this what, what if, if you force yourself through a keyhole yeah <laughs> so uh but i eventually tried that but this this one still i haven't uh this also is a clever way to get some hallucinogenic kind of jokes with lisa that they can't normally do uh, really with any of the characters because they can't do drugs they they have to do like uh you know magic chili peppers and whatnot yeah that's true but yeah, these sensory deprivation tanks, I guess they were getting to be the hot new thing in, in new age health in the Los Angeles area in 1999. It was... Uh, After they shut down the oxygen bars, they oh opened yeah, up all of the was, uh, the tank bars. What was the thing you talked about uh, beforehand with me? The the Matt Selman was also like kind of just crapping on his wife's stores in this Oh, commentary. I forget like, uh, no, like Matt Selman jokingly uh, complains about his wife a bit on the commentaries and uh, there are two jokes about his wife on this one and uh, when this when this character, the store uh, runner appears, he says, this is based on all my wife's friends. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah. his wife had, he, she had a candy shop at some point. Maybe she still does in LA somewhere. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Maybe we can go to the candy shop. Uh, also, funnily enough, I talked about that Stranger Things parody they did. In that recent episode, Lisa also gets in a sensory deprivation tank in that as well. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, it's a major plot point in Stranger Things that the character Lisa plays goes into sensory deprivation tanks so it's uh they use it in that story okay oh one other thing i remember before we leave this episode is that uh mike scully growing up a lot of brothers and there were different bedrooms but the parents bedrooms was splitting up all the bedrooms it was like a very weird layout of a house where oh. the parents bedroom was in the middle but then the other bedrooms were on either side and he said that's why the marriage didn't work <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> that sounds pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. I don't think, well, it's not like they had like more than like three kids, even like a yeah. lot of kids. They, it's not like a classic Irish Catholic uh, kind of household there. I think so. Then we get back to the end of Marge's B plot, which when it showed up again, I was like, oh, that is that we're still in this. That's it's weird right. to see this in this act. <laughs> uh, but yes. Oh, actually, no. Before we get to that, let's hear a little bit of Lisa and Homer hallucinating. Oh, my gosh. Enter the body of our cat. Ah, Maggie! Hey, hey, get your sticky hands off me! Ow! Oh, bad cat, leave her alone! Mm. Ah! Wow, my mind just created that out of nothing. This tank is releasing the full potential of my brain. Oh, ee, oh, ah, ah, ting, ting, well, well, bing, bing. Oh, ee, oh, ah, ah, well, bing, bing, ting, ting, doo. 
Making up his own lyrics to yeah. the Witch Doctor song. That's fun. That's the uh, <laughs> the Ross Bagdasarian Chipmunks classic Witch Doctor, which uh, they they can't. I think on the commentary they say what they spent a hundred thousand dollars on it. I they couldn't have spent that much, but no. I bet it wasn't cheap. That was his yeah pre chipmunks. He learned that sped up voices are funny. Yeah, and he built a career on that that still exists today. While his family exists within that career dome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, it's been a little while since our last squeakquel, but uh, it's uh, we, the chipmunks are still at it. That oh, was, they're always they're always coming back. <laughs> we'll never be free of those. <laughs> I mean, I guess now we're ready for another chipmunks reboot. Like those ones are old now that the, that version of the chipmunks, but yeah, sorry. I got to the March thing early because there was the one little gag of Lenny and Mo gossiping to each other about, uh, Willie's mail order bride who is yeah. still in a box. Uh, these mail order bride jokes are so like dusty, like yeah. the, like the joke is like, no, they literally mail you a woman or whatever. Like well, uh, they're harder to laugh at the more, you know, about what the, you know, the reality sad of realities of yeah. human trafficking yeah. that mail order brides are yeah it's actually quite sad then uh, but yes bart and millhouse have a little plan for some fun as uh, homer as bart puts it and it leads to uh marge learning her lesson and honestly kind of like a sitcom way like this other than the one little thing they add to it this would have been in an episode of full house or something i think this resolution here outside of millhouse getting a concussion yes other than that yeah Frankie, it's me, Killer. I just busted out of prison and the cops are after me. Whoa, talk to me, baby. Okay, I think I lost him. Uh-oh, a cow. He's led, bossy. Listen, Tony, I need some place to hide. Oh, this place looks good. 742 Evergreen Terrace. Now to open the door and kill whoever's inside. <laughs> I'll start by turning the knob. I like that. <laughs> gotcha, Mrs. Ow! Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Mom, you are a prankster's dream. <laughs> wow, you really clobbered him. That was a horrible trick to play on your mother. Yeah, well, it serves you right for eavesdropping. Hmm. Well, I guess we both learned a lesson. But if anybody asks, you hit him. I do really enjoy Bart overselling the uh, the play he's doing. He's like, now I'll open the door. I'll start by turning the knob. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, poor, poor Millhouse. He is, he's not getting up. Like he's, he's really down. I mean, they, it's an easy cover just to be like, uh, he fell, he fell down. He doesn't remember. I mean, especially the way, like you can tell much it hurt. Cause like it's broken. The, the, the baby monitor is broken on his head too, which also, this reminds me of lost our Lisa because that also had a very brief margin. Bart side story too. Oh, what was that? The, uh, the glued stuff to his oh, face. Oh yeah, so. that's right. No wonder I can remember <laughs> Which also, I guess, was somewhat of a prankster story as well. Yeah. So uh, Bart always with the pranks. He's such a little prankster. But uh, at yeah. some point, I kind of feel like with this scene that they were like, "Okay, how do we wrap up this B plot?" Mm-hmm. And they probably threw a few ideas around. It's like, what if she knocks out Millhouse? Yeah. Millhouse violence is always a good solution. Yeah, yeah I think so. Me, Way to knock rel- out my reliable. teeth. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Any, I think the second you see Millhouse added to this act, you should be thinking like some bad's happening to that kid. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like they were written into a corner of like 
we got to resolve this somehow. And then they head into a kind of predictable direction of like somebody pulls a prank on Marge and she learns her lesson. So the only Simpson way to do it, to make it unique for them, it's like, well, it would go farther than it would on a regular sitcom. And a, a horrible injury would happen to a character, not just uh, not just Marge learns her lesson. Like, well, I guess we both learned our lesson. Like, that's what somebody would say on like Blossom or whatever. <laughs> But that's the end of that uh, little B story there. I, I, oh, and I did like how Bart re- adjusts to the mooing. He's like, yeah, oh, take that, bossy. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, and then an improv. We head back to the Karmaceuticals and the Repo Depot is there taking everything back, which feels like another like meanness from the writers of saying like, this could never be a business. They're stupid. You could never run this. They closed by the time you left. Like it's a little, a little me. Yeah. But I do like the guys like the teaser on the truck. <laughs> And uh, Homer, the when they pick up Homer's um, tub, whenever I lift with my back and hurt my back, I remember like, no, remember what the guy did lifting Homer. But you have health insurance, right? Uh, yeah, currently I do. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I got insurance. Paralyze yourself. They'll pay for. 10% of it? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I have a pretty bad copay. <laughs> Homer gets taken away and goes on quite an adventure, up to and including being buried alive in this next clip. Yes. Oh, boy. Ah! Oh, Nettie, you almost hit that coffin. <gasps> Leaping Lazarus. Is this what passes for eternal rest these days? Rod, go get Daddy his burying shovel. You sure buried him deep, Daddy. <laughs> Not so deep the Lord can't find him. And judge him. This is the best <laughs> birthday I ever had. Okay, I'm ready to get out now. You hippie lady. Hippie lady. I'm hippie lady. Uh, I didn't expect that the first time I watched this. Yeah, I was glad he wasn't buried alive for long. It makes me a little anxious. Oh, <laughs> that does scare me. <laughs> yeah, quite a lot. It, yeah, it totally does. Uh, that you are floating in this water and also you can't open the door and you don't know what. I mean, that is, I guess, terrifying about sensory deprivation tanks is you don't know what's happening outside. Did we mention she put a cinder block on his? Oh, yes, that yeah. too. Yeah, well, because he opened it instantly to grab a magazine. Uh, obviously, you can't read in the total darkness. That, that's something too I do like in the animation that they once you know it's pitch black in there they then just color them in dark tones when you see them because uh, it, that's better than floating eyes that they could have gone with one of, one of the things that started me on the bizarre modern reality the Simpsons video I did was actually the scenic Simpsons photo of Lisa in the deprivation tank saying um, I have to clear my mind there's something just like really beautiful about that image and yeah. that kind of led me to kind of thinking about these things and like how people recontextualize them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The well, and also the, the speaking of gorgeousness in it too, the way they drew the first person vision of Lisa as seeing through snowball two's eyes. Yeah. It's very well yeah, done. Yeah. It's uh, it's a really, it's a trippier visual that I remembered in this episode, not to mention with all the strobe lighting effects in the, in the top of her, uh, I want to say coffin now, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, they still have time for a little Ned scene. And uh, I like Ned's uh, religiosity gets meaner in these seasons, I think. Too. This is a Bibb's burying shovel. Yeah. yeah. Burying. I, I, I love that little touch. And I like when he's like, you buried him deep, daddy. As if like this is a common occurrence. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I'm glad they have that line there to explain why Homer is ha- somehow deep enough to go through the earth and into uh, the, the water sewers. system. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, but that I, I also like Ned making sure to fully proselytize there and just be like, not so deep. The Lord can't find him and judge him. Yeah, like, I love he has that. to get that in there, too. Yeah, also the 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 great period on the sentence is that it's Todd's birthday. Oh, right. Yeah. But yeah, Homer then goes on a real like Looney Tunes kind of adventure in the tank. Honestly, almost too silly. But that's Homer's in Looney Tunes town, which I mean, if we're t- comparing this to Lost Our Lisa, he also gets his head crushed by a bridge in that one. And it's yeah. a pretty silly adventure there, too. He's so. less damaged in this one. Ultimately, see, yeah, though the shots of him smashing his face inside of it, like that's really well done and painful looking. Another great, like they, they do some really good camera tricks in this that are extra creative. Uh, but yes, Homer ultimately washes up on the beach. Ow! Oh, this dinner piece stuff is tough on the old coconut. Oh, oh, lady, I want to get out. Oh. <laughs> Oh, jeez, I am so sick of companies dumping their credit in our ocean without a permit. It's not like those permits are hard to get. You're going right back where you came from. But, Daddy, you're on vacation. Crime doesn't take a vacation. (coughs) Hey, 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 careful, you'll pop it. I do like them seeing uh, they work hard, they play hard, right? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, crime doesn't take a vacation and that cuts that. That's, uh, you know, it's an okay joke, but I do like the design of Fat Tony with his, like, sock garters on. Like, that's, he still has these old-timey mafia things about him, even in swim trunks. I do like that. William's not mad about pollution. It's just the lack of permits yeah, and how they're easy they're to get. So to get. I, I love that line where he's like, it's not like they're hard to get because it's like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not opposed to pollution at all. He's fine with that. But it's just you get get that permit. Come on. He almost took a stance on something. Uh, <laughs> and and then Wiggum, uh, Ralph thinks it's a whale egg. That's pretty funny, <laughs> too. Uh, I get, you know, normally I would think Wiggum would just, uh, ch- police chief Wiggum would agree with him and just be like, it is a whale egg, but he has to recognize what it is to take it somewhere else. Then somehow ends it up getting right back to where it was uh, for a very silly gag, but that's uh, it's it's fun too. Lisa, meanwhile, finishes up her journey. She becomes multiple people, including Koki Roberts, who R.I.P. Yes, uh, just passed away in September. Like NPR commentator. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. a journalist. And uh, while well, she's identified on her wiki wiki page as American journalist and best-selling author, mm. I just knew her as a funny name said in like politics. Politics, Murphy SNL Brown, sketches, or, or Murphy Brown, yeah. Uh, but she seemed like a nice enough lady and stuff. I can't, I don't remember any actual reporting of hers, but she does seem like the kind of woman Lisa would dream of being. Yeah, I could, I could see that too. And then Lisa has her final vision, which lets her realize that she's she's actually a very selfish monster, <laughs> as that, she has been this entire episode. Yeah, she finally learns her lesson. Think about other people, Lisa. Uh, it's happening again. I wonder where I'm going this time. What's that? Oh, yuck! That sandwich is full of meat. There's bacon. Canadian bacon, Mexican bacon, and a mouth-watering veal chop. Oh, no, now I'm dead. Oh, and I'm at a stupid, boring ballet. Dad, wake up. Your snoring is disturbing the dancers. 
<laughs> How can you embarrass me like this? Oh, you won't sit through anything that doesn't have car crashes. Well, I'm sorry, honey. Jeez, why is Lisa so mad at me? I only came to this dump so I could be with her. What happened to my big sandwich? I like that in this memory he falls right back to yeah. sleep after. It, it's like I, I'm reading this as a little uglier than my original reading, which is pretty ugly, where it's just like pointing out the uh, bad behavior of an abuser is the real crime here. Just like you telling me I'm abusing you makes me feel bad. How do you think but I I'm, feel? But I'm sad. Yeah. 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 You, you telling me I made you sad made me sad. And aren't you? Yeah, I... I I don't want to see that much sinisterness in this episode that's trying to be sweet. And I do think it comes from a sweet place. But yeah, it really does feel like it's taking the side of the abuser. Like, well, you should realize your stuff sucks. And yeah. th- they should be bored. Here's the good things of that sequence. Yeah, yeah, there's good stuff. I really like Yardley's acting as Homer. Like, she's, she's having a lot of fun doing the Homer drool and celebrating every type of bacon in that giant sandwich. Uh, and also... Even in her hallucination, Lisa still does what she does in Scully Seasons, which is point out inconsistencies in the show. <laughs> yeah. She notices the sandwich isn't there when he wakes up again. Uh, so that that was fun. And I do like seeing the, the first person view of Homer in Lisa's eyes. That's a, that's a well executed thing too there. So there's a lot of quality in this. And I do think there's a, I can see it from a parent's view of a good parent who thinks, I'm a good parent and do all these things for my kids and they don't appreciate it. Like I can get that, but the character that Homer is in this episode and all episodes before this is not a good parent and isn't a self-sacrificing person and doesn't deserve this kind of redemption. No, no, he doesn't. He hasn't earned that. It's like the sentiment is like, yeah, but like the practicality of how we got there is a bit like, hmm. I think they felt that it was too repetitive. They just have episodes that end with Homer apologizing to Lisa. So they wanted to go like, well, let's not do something we've already done before. But Homer apologizing to Lisa is the logical end point of everything happening here for a happy ending. So to subvert that and find a new way to do it, they have to twist themselves into Lisa somehow thinking she is the bad guy here for wanting to spend time with her father at things she enjoyed, I guess. She's trying to share her love of the arts. Yeah. But unfortunately they're boring. So she's in the wrong. Well, this ending also seems to apply the like Homer never gets to go to things he likes, which that's not true either. Homer does everything he wants all the time. I get what it's trying to say, but it, it, the more you explore it with the characters as they are, it kind of, it's a little hollow. A little hollow at at best, but yes. Why don't we just play the the happy ending here as uh, as Lisa does something nice for Homer? Finally, <laughs> boy, I can really be a pain in the butt. Gee, I should cut Dad some slack. After all, he did take me to the ballet and the Smithsonian exhibit. In fact, he takes me lots of places he hates. No, he doesn't. I told the witch doctor to this in my chest. Boom, 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 boom. I told the witch doctor he had to run a test. Hi, sweetie. Hi, Dad. How was it? I went on a wild ride without ever leaving the building. How was yours? Pretty cool. But now what do you say we go do something we'll both enjoy? Oh, like what? <laughs> that car burn does it get any better than this not to me dad 
Almost a here comes the pretzels. Oh, guy. yeah. <laughs> Similar <laughs> delivery. That man's dead. Like, yeah, he, yeah. Right behind them. He's just he's dead. He's just dead. There's no way that didn't snap his neck and kill him instantly in that moment. That reminds me of like <laughs> someone was just uh, murdered in a gender reveal. Oh, God. Where they yes, inadvertently yeah. built a pipe bomb. Oh, it's, it's like you can't go that high concept with your... Okay, number one, don't do it. They're stupid. Number two, at best, it should be like uh, confetti. Or cut a cake or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Don't build a pipe bomb. Oh, God. That's, that, yeah, that, was, that was very sad. How would you like to come into the world knowing your gender reveal party killed your grandma oh jesus oh <laughs> yeah. god i hadn't even thought of that yeah that's instantly really, instantly killed her but you uh, just never tell your kids yeah that, though what did happen to grandma well uh she moved away i would guess by the time that baby <laughs> is 12 though they can google their grandma's name and oh yeah out. yeah, yeah. Mm. boy you've had an extra tragedy that recent tragedy <laughs> story bob uh but the, just think of the families every time there's a tragedy <laughs> Uh, I like Homer's witch doctor song that involves a, uh, having a chest pains and asking the doctor for help. <laughs> yeah, seeing yeah. seeing the doctor for medical reasons. Yeah, the Lisa. I mean, it's nice Lisa doing that, but that also does feel like the the patterns of abuse of just like of emotional abuse of just like feeling being the more empathetic person in an abusive relationship who then blames themselves and does something nice for their abuser. It's just it's a it's a bad cycle. Mm, like so, it, yeah, it does feel a little like it represents that, especially like it it just feels hollow when Lisa says he actually does a lot of things he hates. Like no, he doesn't. But it's established in Act One. He doesn't. Yeah, he never once a month, and only for Le- only for Lisa every other month too. Eh, eh. The Destruction Derby—that's fun. I've you know, I've never been to one. I did play the PlayStation video game Destruction. Derby. Oh, that was a great video game. That was one of my favorite early P- PS1 games. I I'm still a Nintendo boy, but the that was one of my first things that wasn't like a fighting game on PS1 that made me go like I think this PlayStation's pretty good. Mm, yeah, I've never been to a real one before. Seems dangerous. I I've told before actually for more of Henry Gilt stories of Henry what, Gilbert. <laughs> oh god. I did get my mom and dad to go to a monster truck rally when I was like five or six. And my mom got like really bad tinnitus from it because it was in a domed in structure. And so it was just so loud. I, and uh, that fills me with a lot of guilt. So that, that was my mom sacrificing for a thing Mm. I wanted to do. I was brought to one of those and I didn't really like it. The only other thing I've been like that is uh, I went to one NASCAR race once and it bored the crap out of me and I left uh, I like got out of my seat and walked around until the kids parents would take me home with this was like you know middle school friends kind of trip mm. Na- NASCAR is terrible destruction derby is at least a little more fun the most contact I've had with NASCAR is when like Hal describes it in Malcolm in the Middle and it <laughs> seems pretty dull uh yeah it does seem pretty dull i think it's i think it's funny american racing fans make fun of f1 as as lame when i feel like nascar sounds even even more lame than time trials uh, i mean i don't care for any i cars who cares that's that's <laughs> yep, I, 
They're just machines to take you places. Yeah, take that gearheads. <laughs> Cars. If a car doesn't transform into a robot, I don't care. <laughs> that's our stance officially. <laughs> Is there anything else we have to do? Any other uh, wrap ups? No, I mean that's basically it. I I think we. My feelings on this episode are that it's it's a it is a sweet exploration of a father daughter relationship but uh, and there's tons of funny jokes in it but it, it feels more hurtful every year that the res- resolution is that lisa yeah. takes the blame in it mike scully yeah, was th- too- there is a kind of like cynicism to it all right that i think is kind of is never really subverted properly. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike Scully was too blinded by dad fever to see <laughs> these issues, but uh, we love Mike Scully. Check out yeah. our interview with him on uh, the Patreon. Yeah, it was a recent really good one. You can hear a lot of his uh, background and how this season, he was able to unionize the writer's room for this season. It was a really cool story, but this was a writer's room with, I think, basically no women in season 10 other than Mike Scully's wife, uh, Julie Thacker, who also is a really good writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the only woman in there. So you either had single men or dads. So there's not not a, a lot of diverse perspectives in the room at that time. I, I Which they've worked on and tried to improve over time. Yeah, definitely. To, to definitely. varying degrees. It's, uh, I like Lost Our Lisa more as far as touching Homer Lisa episodes. Go. Yeah, it's the better companion episode to this, I think. Yeah, for sure. So, John, thanks again for being our special guest. Please let everyone know where to find you and all of your great stuff. I'm sure you can find me um, Super Ipatch Wolf on YouTube at Ipatch Wolf on Twitter and I also host the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yes. We love all of your stuff and we love so much when you come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Uh, it's, it's always a pleasure. Like it's, 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 it's always kind of fascinating to hear you guys break it down in such detail. And like, especially for me, the American stuff, I'm always like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad. I, I'm glad we can help uh, inform those things just as your perspective on stuff helps us uh, uh, learn things too. So I, <laughs> I appreciate it. And, and hopefully in the future, you know, preview for someday in the future, I want us to do that te- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode. Ooh. What a cartoon we do. Oh, uh, yeah. I, we should do that. Let's figure that out soon. <laughs> uh, yes. it'll, it won't be 16 months. Uh, the, <laughs> I promise. It's like clockwork. Every 16 months, we'll talk to you again. But, but thank you, John. Yeah, thank you. Oh, no problem, guys. Like, honestly, my pleasure. So thanks again to John Walsh, a.k.a. Super Eye Petful, for being on the show once again and check out all of his great stuff and his podcast. But as for us, if you want to support our stuff, please go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And if you sign up at the $5 level, you get access to every episode of this podcast and What a Cartoon one week ahead of time and ad-free. And at $5 a month, you'll also have access to everything behind that paywall that is over a hundred bonus podcasts, including all of our limited miniseries, the newest of which is currently rolling out. That's Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1, 10 episodes of Talking Futurama to get you through the end of 2019. Mm. There is way, way too much to talk about on that $5 level to uh, wrap it up in this nice little wrap-up of the show. But Henry, please tell everyone what's going on at the $10 level, one extra long podcast every month. That's right, at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. If you sign up at the $10 level, you get all that $5 stuff that's too much to list. Plus, our monthly What a Cartoon Movie podcast, where we talk about a different animated feature film once a month. It's a bonus, exclusive podcast, sometimes goes over four hours long. Our most recent one was The Nightmare Before Christmas, which would be uh, tons of fun if you're still in a Halloween hangover or are ready to celebrate the holiday season early you'll want to listen to that and that's just the 12th one we've done a whole year's worth is in your back catalog if you sign up at the ten dollar level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons 
So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts, the classic gaming podcast. Every Monday and occasionally on Friday, go to Retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast device. Henry, how about you? You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Whenever there's new podcasts out on either the Patreon or the free feed, I'm sure to tweet it out from my account. So please follow Henry Gilbert on there at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next week for the episode Maximum Homer Drive, and we'll see you then. America's greatest citizen summed up in one piece of clothing. (gasps) Fungie's jacket! Who's Fonzie? Who's Fonzie? Don't they teach you anything in school? He freed the squares!